The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional, medical, or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. switch things up a little bit. It's story time. Okay. I love it. Welcome to Biopsychosocial. Yes. We love you. We love you. So this will be out a month from now, maybe. No. When will it be out? Two weeks from now. So we're going to do next week and the week after. Okay. Or no, tomorrow, Monday, and then the week after that. Oh, snap. All right. So in two weeks, so we'll either doing be doing better or worse. Mm-hmm. We don't know. My guess is worse. I was hoping for better. I'm a realist. <laughs> Listen. I'm basing it on how things went in Italy. That's true. It has to get worse before it's better, right? I was at a grocery store last night. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, people are nuts. People are nuts. Doomsday so... preppers out here. Listen, if I know a lot of edible plants, we could just go out into the woods. I'll make a bow and arrow out of a tree. We'll hunt some squirrel. We're going to be okay. We're we going to be okay. We can wipe our asses with plants. We'll be fine. And receipts. We've all been in the bathroom <laughs> in a store and there's no toilet like a paper. dive bar where you really have to improvise. I've done that. Yes, we've all done that. Nice, nice long receipts. Little CVS receipts. Oh my gosh. Those are the best. <laughs> if you're stuck in a bathroom and you need toilet paper, yes, CVS receipts. You got it. Yes. Also, if you need a nice shawl, CVS receipts. Yeah, or like um, a blind for your curtains. CVS receipts. <laughs> Ribbon dance. CVS, CVS receipts. <laughs> you get what we're saying. You get right? what we're saying. We're going to be okay. Anyway. Kind of going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to tell the whole story, and then I'm going to go into the nuts and bolts. Okay. Okay. I like nuts and bolts. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Ah, redacted. Ew. <laughs> Not what I meant. I know. All right. So, Rosemary, or Rosemary Kennedy. This is an Irish thing, and I can say this because I'm Irish. They're, people are named after older relatives and then called something different to avoid confusion. Every time. All right. Every time. So why name them after the relative in the first place if you're going to call them something else? Or give it a junior. Not even. <laughs> Kayla <No>. Jr. <laughs> I'll name one of my cats Kayla Jr. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So to avoid... It, I'm going to feed it into it to, to avoid confusion from this point forward. We're just going to call her Rosemary because that's mm-hmm. what her family called her. She okay. was named after her mother, Rose Kennedy. Okay. So she was Rosemary Kennedy called Rosemary. My family is guilty of this too. My grandfather was named Edward Raymond after his father, Edward. Guess what they called him? Raymond. Ray. Ray. He's where I get my love of rye whiskey. He passed when I was a couple days old, but it came, I found out later in life that he loved rye whiskey so uh, after I started a, enjoying rye whiskey. There you go. Pour yeah. out a shot for Ray. Oh, he would love that. <laughs> shot for Ray. Anyway, Rosemary Kennedy was the third 
oldest child and oldest daughter to Joseph and Rose Kennedy, mm -hmm. born in 1918, uh, Rosemary was. Yes, those Kennedys. Mm -hmm. Those Are Kennedys. there any other Kennedys? Well, yes, but the rich cursed ones, those Kennedys. Oh, I'm thinking my relatives were Kilianis, not Kennedys. Okay. And they weren't even Irish, but... So not related at all. So the Kennedys. <laughs> yes. So the famous, cursed, rich, good-looking Kennedys. Uh-huh. Who I have been obsessed with since I was a child, once again in my bloodline, mm -hmm. Ray's wife, Ginger, that was her nickname, her name was Rita, loved JFK so much so my father's named after JFK. Aw. And my grandmother also had a festive Kennedy rug in her house as well. 60s were a hopeful time for us all. <laughs> so this kind of pains my heart to tell this story about the Kennedys because I do so adore them, but we have to. Mm -hmm. um, so when Rosemary was born, um, the doctor didn't arrive in a timely fashion. She was a home birth. Okay. Um, which happens. Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to... Um, Make a joke about doctors being later having bad, bad handwriting, but... <laughs> they do both. We all do. So um, the nurse assisting, the, mm -hmm. the nurse was there, the midwife was there. Um, she tried to halt the labor by having her mom, Rose, um, keep her legs closed. Yep, that works. Mm -hmm. it, not at all. Um <laughs> And to keep holding the baby's head inside. So I'm not an, I'm not an OB nurse. However, I did take a OB rotation. Well, I mean, I'm not in the medical field at all, and I, I feel like I can pretty safely guess that that doesn't work. No, that's not what they teach you. They they taught us in school, you don't stop labor. If the doctor isn't there, catch the baby. Right, because the woman is becoming dilated, and she's feeling a natural urge to push. Right, and, and um, she's contracting, too. Mm -hmm. So having the baby's head while... There's contracting Ooh. is squeezing and not a good thing. Yep. Nope. Um, you can't stop nature. So this resulted in baby Rosemary sitting in the birth canal for way longer than she should have. Mm -hmm. Two hours. Holy shit. That's a long time. That's a very long time. So she was deprived of oxygen. Uh-huh. Likely when uterus was con body was yep. contracting, squeezing on her head, and she was not um, breathing um, in her body. And she was child number what? Which one? Three. Three. Um, so Joseph, the oldest son, and um, Jack, John, mm -hmm. um, who became President Kennedy, mm -hmm. were the uh, two sons that were older. Okay. They had both been born at home and... The birth had gone fine, so Rosemary um, and birth did not, did not go fine. Finally, she was born and had cognitive delays or intellectual delays and behavioral delays. Which can happen if there's a traumatic birth. Yes. Yep. Um, lack of oxygen at birth can or also indeed cause poor that. prenatal care. Absolutely. All right. So because she had these um, had these disabilities. Rosemary was from an affluent family. The Kennedys yep. were affluent mm -hmm. and well off at the time. She was given all the best tutors and was sent to multiple private schools. But she was frequently moved from school to school um, due to the school being incapable of meeting her needs slash her family moving her to see if another place would better help her condition. I didn't say this in any of the articles, um, but I'm just surmising this myself. I wonder if her family... 
wasn't necessarily truthful when they contact the, the schools. And I don't mean this in a malicious way that they were doing it um, with malice intent, but naturally as people and, you know, when our loved one isn't well, we tend to try to minimize, minimize it. Yes. yes. And say, well, she's able to do that. You know, she mm-hmm. is able to do this. She's able to do that. She's, you know, not too, you know, she's doing okay. You, you don't want to admit mm-hmm. that maybe she's not as capable as you would like her to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a very natural thing to do. Even healthcare workers can sometimes do yeah. it. When you're charting somebody, you don't necessarily want to say, okay, you know, this is everything that's wrong with them because it's just not in our nature. It's not in our mm-hmm. nature as people. So it is a tough thing. So I don't know if that, um, if they weren't, if the school wasn't equipped because the school wasn't equipped or because they didn't know truly the conditions that they were right. dealing with mm-hmm. it and could have been and this was back in the 40s 50s so it, it was part it was mm-hmm. part for the course for the time it was before yeah. that even she was um born in almost 1920 so i think up until definitely through the 70s maybe even until the mm-hmm. 80s when children were developmentally delayed even slightly parents would and I don't mean to like demonize parents who did this, no, but they would drop not. kind of drop them off at a residential facility. They would institutionalize, um, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And as we discovered much later, unfortunately, these places weren't really the best. Correct. Correct. Or yeah. most humane. Right. And now there's more um, people staying in the community when they're able, living in group right. homes. Independent living Independent. is really the goal. Yes. Yes. And when not able, um, congregate living or Mm -hmm. you know living in small groups or in group homes with assistive care is a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing too that was actually kind of one of my forays into healthcare when i was a kid my mom worked at a group home Mm. and i would go to work with her i didn't know that about jelly bean yeah i could see her being really good at that she was actually she was wonderful um and i was around with you know when i would go to take your kid to work day and stuff um Mm -hmm. i would be around folks with um all different levels of abilities and that seemed you know it became a normalized thing for me my parents Mm -hmm. both were very good about that Mm -hmm. um that you know People have different abilities and it's okay. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my first uh, foray into healthcare and caring for people and being Good. exposed to people with different yeah. varying levels of abilities. So I always give kudos to my mom for that. And and she is a wonderful caregiver. Hi, Jilly Bean. So anyway, Rosemary was shipped from school to school and you know the parents were i'm sure trying to you know go for the latest thing new school opened up probably sent her there probably said oh they have a new pro you know let's bring her the you know maybe this will help Mm because this was a very affluent high achieving Mm -hmm. competitive family so the idea of somebody just not being able to compete with right the mass of people or, you know, among the family themselves must have been very hard. So they're trying the best to make make her into something that she wasn't capable of doing. Right. That, and I'm sure out of concern, they were probably looking for the latest, greatest yeah. research treatment for her. Yes, and yes, and unfortunately they found it. Yes. Yes, they did. Um, there was a biography written about her and mm-hmm. um, a critique of that is one of the sources that I used. I wish I had time to read it. Um, she seemed very interesting what I had read. Excerpts 
They showed excerpts of letters that she wrote, and, and her grammar was very poor, and the sentences weren't well-structured, mm-hmm. um, but it was very sweet. She mm-hmm. was writing how she wanted to make her family proud, oh. just, like, very, um, very genuine. So it had to be tough to, you know, grow up in that family, especially. You know, she had a lot right. of opportunity, but... She's limited. Limited, yeah. So at one point, Rosemary was 20 years old and doing really well. She was... We should, post pictures when we post the video mm-hmm, she's gorgeous absolutely. gorgeous woman mm-hmm. beautiful 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 woman um very pretty um and was they were family was living in england at the time because um mm-hmm. joseph kennedy was um ambassador and she was training to be a montessori school teacher's assistant oh yeah so she was so she was able to do that that yes. was something you know she was competent able mm-hmm. to do that which is wonderful. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was pretty high functioning. She's pretty high functioning. Yes. So she did have some developmental delays and behavioral delays, but they were able to be worked with, and she yes. was was able to have some vocational training. Mm-hmm. So her father left his job as the U.S. ambassador to England, and the family left England, including Rosemary. And so the family moved back stateside, and Rosemary regressed terribly. Um, whether that would have happened just at the point of where she was in her developmental life and she was in her early 20s, we do know that mental illness is still developing. That's um, a lot of times where we'll see psychotic breaks mm-hmm. in early 20s as well. Um, For women, yeah, um, schizophrenia rears its ugly head usually late adolescence, early 20s. Right. For men, it's a little bit sooner. So we could we could have seen this regression regardless, but she was taken out of an environment, a stable, healthy environment where she was thriving and brought into another, which we have learned is detrimental as well Mm -hmm. Um, for any of us, of course, um, even more so for Rosemary. So her physical and mental and physical, mental, emotional health deteriorated. Facilities couldn't care for her. She became combative. She suffered from seizures, began running away. And her family feared that she would be sexually preyed on if she kept running away. Uh, Not the first place I wouldn't have gone. No. No. But I I suppose that's a fair concern. Yes. And they, ironically enough, said they were afraid that she would be sexually preyed on, there would be a scandal, and it would ruin the family's political aspirations. Just you wait, Kennedys. Just you wait. (laughs) O-M-G. Poor Rosemary. Poor Rose. Oh, my gosh. So she and she was seizing. She was seizing. She was acting out. She was combative. She was. Yeah, I I remember reading about that. So she had more behavioral issues Mm -hmm. happening. So she was doing well. She was functioning enough to become a teacher's aide. And she was having these issues as well. Not saying that those issues couldn't have been managed in another way. Yes, especially you said this was back in the 60s, right? No, this was in the 30s. Oh, damn. Yeah. So like when we think about medicine in terms of medicine for mental health, that was really like it became there was a big boom in it, probably in the late 40s, early 50s. The medication that was used back then had shit ton of side effects. Yep. Um, So although it's still used nowadays, we've become so far 
Absolutely. from where we were at that period of time. So I can imagine back in the 30s, there was even less available for management of uh, uh, psychological symptoms. This is, it's true. It's before even the dawn of psychotropic medications, yes. which makes sense of what happened next. Yep. So, so it's probably a lot of like off-label use for other medic of other medications. Not even. I didn't even find that much. Yikes. Yeah. So in 1941, so math, Rosemary was 23. Her father um, took a very drastic measure. So at George Washington University Hospital, he authorized a prefrontal lobotomy to be performed on Rosemary. I feel like you might get to it, but are you going to tell us a little bit about the guy who did it? I'm going to talk about it in general, but I'm going to talk about the process and procedure of it. Because it's my understanding that the guy who developed the method, well, I think he did Rosemary's surgery, but the Mm -hmm. one who developed the method for the prefrontal lobotomy was like an absolute crackpot, but he was selling it as like this miracle cure and literally going around the country and giving live demonstrations. Yes. Using, well, you're going to get to what the process looks like, but... yes. It's absolutely gruesome. It is gruesome. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm going to get to it. I just wanted to tell her story first mm-hmm. and then really get into the yeah. nuts of it. So the lobotomy left her completely incapacitated. Mm-hmm. She was unable to care for herself. Remember, she was studying to be a teacher's age. She was able to write. She was able to function. She was able to yeah. run away. Mm-hmm. And she was sent to a facility in Wisconsin for the rest of her life, which ended in 2005 at the age of 86. Wow. She was long-lived. So for 60 years, Mm -hmm. 60-plus years. This is a novella in the epic tragedy of the Kennedys. But I do have a snippet of a bright spot. Mm -hmm. So she spent the rest... Yes, she did spend the rest of her life incapacitated Mm -hmm. in a facility. Her sister, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger's former mother-in-law. Yes. Maria Shriver's mama. Mm-hmm. Chris Pratt's grandmother-in-law. Seriously? Yeah. Um, oh. Catherine Schwarzenegger, now Pratt, um, is married to Chris Pratt. Oh, I didn't know that. So Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver's uh, daughter is married to Chris Pratt. Cute. Yeah. They seem like a cute couple. Was Rosemary's younger sister and was horrified by what happened by mm-hmm. what happened to her. And honestly, I think her parents were completely devastated. Uh, right. Rose- they probably didn't realize what it was going to look like after. Of course the not. Because the dude peddling this was yes, such and a just like crazy. anything else, last radium episode yes. we were talking. You know, when people are desperate, they believe yes, what they want to believe. They were thinking this would make her into. Yep everything they wanted mm-hmm. her to be snake oil snake it oil yeah so she was so rose could never forgive her husband for mm-hmm. doing this to her and i don't think he could really forgive herself mm-hmm. he forgive himself mm-hmm. excuse me so they didn't really have a lot to do with her but honestly their kids did yes i um, yep. jfk jr um visited her often mm-hmm. and eunice um was really her champion she coordinated her care championed her care and was so devastated that she founded the special olympics oh yep that was founded by eunice kennedy shriver and it's um still an amazing organization um to this day 
So instead of disabilities and differences being erased, they're celebrated and yes. they're included. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a cause that was championed by many members of the Kennedy family. Mm-hmm. The, uh, those who became politicians often championed assistance for folks with disabilities yes, I, and championed that cause. I know in- Arnold was very involved with the Special Olympics. Which, yeah, yeah, after his, his mother-in-law started yes. running it. So uh, members of the Kennedy family did champion mm-hmm. um, this cause, which is wonderful. I, you know, of course, wish it didn't have to happen this way and that her life wasn't so devastated. Right. Decimated is a better better word for it. But I thought the I thought the Special Olympics was an amazing yes. it was an amazing fact. And she was honored recently. Eunice Kennedy Shriver was honored for her oh, work okay. um, with the Special Olympics uh, recently as well. So um that's just one vignette. That's yep. one story about um, a lobotomy and it's probably the most famous mm-hmm. famous lobotomy. So I found a fantastic article about about lobotomies, and I'm going to go through the history of it, mm-hmm. how it kind of came to be, how it came to be a thing, okay. how it got popular, mm-hmm. and why we don't do it anymore for mm. all the reasons. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me. She needs a sip of mimosa, I folks. Mean, it's, it's, mostly, it's mostly Prosecco by now. Um, so lobotomies. Humans have been drilling into skulls for way longer than anybody would they care sure to have. admit. It's actually... One of the oldest, if not the oldest, surgery. Tree panning. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes sense. Even before mental illness became associated with the brain, people would associate behaviors that weren't normal with the head. Because yep. if they were saying something odd or doing something mm-hmm. odd, you would you would associate that with somebody's head. And uh, if I'm remembering correctly, people used tree panning a long time ago as a relief for like Headache. Headaches. Yep. Pressure in the head. Yeah. Yep. Headaches, seizures. Can you, I always think about this. I don't know if I'm an odd ducky. Do you ever, what it, ever wonder what it had to be like to be the first person to experience something? Like the first headache, like in the dawn yeah. of man, the first headache. Yes. I probably think I was dying. Yeah. You would think you were dying uh-huh. or the first seizure. Yes. Oh my God. Or the one I think about most often, have you ever heard of a Raynaud's syndrome or Raynaud's phenomenon? Yes. When you put your hand in something cold and your fingers turn black. Oh, God. Can you imagine? And it's, it's you know, it has something to do with um, your, your vascular health, but it's a fairly benign mm-hmm. thing and it's fairly common, fairly common, especially in women. But can you imagine the first time your hand got cold and it turned black, somebody probably got their hand cut off. Yeah. Yeah. How scary it had to be. I think about it in a more like cheerful notion. Like, I wonder how what it was like to have the first chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> right. Or the, the first, yeah, the first experience of anything. Or I think of kids. Like, I remember when my niece was, she wasn't a year old mm-hmm. yet. She was born in California and she came to Connecticut. Uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law moved, moved back. I'm so happy to have them close mm-hmm. by, especially for that little kumquat. She's very cute. She is so cute. Um, and it was winter. And when when they moved back, so when spring came around and the grass came out, I took her out. We were having a family party, a family get together, and I took her out into the grass, and she was feeling the grass for the first mm-hmm. time and touching leaves. And mm-hmm. you're thinking, how amazing is that? Mm-hmm. How astounding it has to be to experience things for the first time. Just uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a family get together, and um, Hunter, my nephew's five, and I was holding him. 
I can barely do that now because he's a very strong man. He's, he's very, very strong heavy. little man. Oh. Um, and I was sh- pointing out to him Orion's belt, which is in the, the winter sky. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining to him, like, that people used to connect the dots and make constellations, you know. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I can see I can see the man, you know, shooting the arrow. I can see it. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that's like. The f- the I remember first the first time. time I ever was exposed to, like, constellations and stuff like that. I yeah. thought it was the coolest thing. So lucky him. He got to see it for the first time. Yeah, we all get to see it for the first time. But I, I know you think about that. Like the first time something's discovered like that, you mm-hmm. know, for better or for worse. It's so interesting. It's equally like magnificent and scary. Yes. So we were we were talking about trepidation. Anyway, so boring into skulls yes. dates back to the dawn of civilization. I... I don't know if I'm making this up, but I'm pretty sure there was, like, a crazy lady on YouTube that was, like, trying to do it on her channel. Oh, God. Like, drill a, a hole in her skull. What do you watch on YouTube? Because <laughs> I watch, like, America's Next Top Model critiques. Well, you know what? That's that's going to be on my YouTube channel that oh. I'm never starting. Oh, God. So follow me down the rabbit hole on these things. The only bizarre thing I watch, I watch like reviews of like Disney World restaurants and I have no plans to go to Disney. It just yeah, so stay on that surface level because there's some weird shit. Out I there. like, I'm just going to see how the La Cellier Steakhouse is in Disney World. You Thank go. you very much. Sometimes I watch an old man cook spaghetti. So that's nice too. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so... <laughs> So, of course, people probably thought, like, demons were in people's skulls or bad spirits, which caused caused illness for way too many years. So those were probably the OG lobotomies as well. They found skulls with holes drilled into Mm -hmm. them. So the lobotomy as we know it today stems from the American crowbar case. Have you ever heard of this? Maybe. I haven't. I hadn't until... uh, I will, but this is fascinating. (laughs) I just give you a therapy directive and you're like, I will. I will, I will. I got it all written down. Um, has nothing to do with the wet bandits. Okay. When, you had the, when they had the crowbars and they would hit their crowbars before they went to Kevin <laughs> McAllister's house. Did anybody else remember that or think Kevin McAllister's a sociopath like I do? Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, so it's 1848, the case of Phineas Gage. Oh, yes, of course. Really? Yeah. We learned about, the, well, I mean, I knew about it before this, but um, in undergrad, my... Biopsychology, yeah, biopsychology um, professor was obsessed with this case, and he would go up to, I think it's New Hampshire, right? Mm -hmm. Happens in New Hampshire? Yeah. He would go up with his wife, like, every now and then to the site where Phineas Gage had his injury. (laughs) So, Phineas Gage was a construction worker who was literally working on the railroad all the live long day. Yes, he was. And an unfortunate accident caused a three and a half foot, 13 pound tamping iron, which is a bar, mm-hmm. to go through his head, mm-hmm. out in the skull, out his cheek. Right. So it went piercing his left frontal lobe. That's right. Yep. And out his, so that would be his right cheek. So this guy survived, but it was noted that he had drastic personality changes. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an all around good guy and he became an asshole. Yeah, so yes. he was very calm and even-tempered, and mm-hmm. he became very irritable and... Socially unhinged. Mm-hmm. Irresponsible, a jerk. Yes. It makes sense, mm-hmm. because your frontal lobe is responsible for your personality and decision-making. Yes. We all know somebody whose frontal lobe isn't working. <laughs> yes, we won't mention true. them. 
You can mention them to yourself right now. <laughs> We're just going to give you a moment to do that. Okay. And you can go straight to hell. Yes. <laughs> Taking my line. Uh, so this case caught a lot of attention, and I was fascinated about it years it really later. It really is, yeah. Um, because not only did he survive, but because of his personality changes. Mm-hmm. It's also worth mentioning that this guy carried the tamping iron with him everywhere he went until he died when he was indeed buried with it. Well, you got to keep your enemies close, Jordan. I would keep it with me. Are you kidding me? That's something I would do. You would do the same thing, I don't sure you? There's a picture of him in the article that I found of him holding the camping iron. <laughs> he's like sucker. Yeah, he's like sitting for like his portrait and he goes, gotta have my tamping iron with me. Cheese. <laughs> Except he didn't smile. Anyway. Nobody did in pictures back then. I don't understand that. Because it took so long to take the photo Mm -hmm. that it would start to hurt if they were smiling. I broke a blood vessel last wedding I was in from smiling. (laughs) I I think the lesson there is don't be in any more weddings. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done. You're going to elope, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, if I ever get there, I'm going to elope. And I'm fine with that. I love you. You can come to the after party. Perfect. If you have me at your wedding, I'm just going to throw this out there. You will get at least 10 pictures of me on the dance floor with a drink in my hand with one arm up and my mouth open. I would expect nothing less. There are thousands of pictures of me (laughs) and people's weddings in that exact pose. Usually it's during Shout because my family is a huge fan of that song. (laughs) We should really post the picture of us from my cousin Kara's wedding. Oh, that's framed in my office. That's the best (laughs) picture ever. So Kayla and I went to an outdoor wedding. It was cold. Kayla and I brought sweatpants. Yes, we did because we're not stupid. No. So we put the sweatpants on underneath our dresses after mm-hmm. an appropriate amount of time mm-hmm. had passed. Dinner. Yes. So when we went 20 to, minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So, and Kayla wore slippers too. I did, yes. Mm-hmm. So we were on the dance floor busting a proverbial move. The band was great. The band was great. And I was making a funny face at Kayla's niece where I was squeezing my face like a fish and sticking my tongue out. And Kayla was doing the white person clap. (laughs) And a photographer caught the moment in our sweatpants and dresses with sweatpants underneath it. It's framed in my office. It's really the best picture of us. It is. So thank you, Kara, for providing us that opportunity. Thank you, Kara. <laughs> and Darby. So lobotomies, the first one that was performed on purpose and not due to tamping iron. Right, right, right. And not due to demons. was performed in 1888. Didn't have much detail about that. But then in 1935, it was performed on chimpanzees. Yeah. And the animals became devoid of emotion and expression, and I became furious when don't I don't ever look into the experiments of Harry Harlow. He was a real piece of work. He did a lot of experimentation on monkeys that was even his colleagues at the time were like, this is fucked up. Oh, I, I don't like experimenting on animals. Um, mostly because I like animals better than people. Who doesn't? So the frontal lobotomy started in the 1930s as well. The pioneer being Dr. Monzi of Portugal. He ended up receiving the Nobel Prize for his work, God help us. The frontal leucotomy involved sectioning out the white matter in the prefrontal cortex, Mm -hmm. which is up front, to the thalamus, which is 
the core of the brain, the mm-hmm. center of the jawbreaker. And um, the doctors examined the brains of people who died after the procedure and tried to figure out what part of the brain should be removed for different symptoms, which is such an asinine way to do it, knowing what we know now. Right, because they they had no idea back then what caused what. I mean, literally when Phineas Gage had his accident, that was when they discovered that the the prefrontal Prefrontal yeah the frontal lobe caused person right exactly to personality. Thank you, Phineas. Then the hell of the transorbital lobotomy came around in 1940, Mm. when exactly what it sounds like. Before then, they would drill holes in the head. I like, put alcohol you, I like how you said it's exactly what it sounds like. So everyone, we well transorbital <laughs> into the eye. Yes, but I guess I should say before that um, they would drill burr holes in the head Great. and just saw out the part of the brain that offended them. Okay, yeah, that's basically that's it. what I'd like to do on some people. Same. Sometimes people are awake during this procedure. Gorgeous. Sometimes they were told to start saying their ABCs or singing, and then when they stopped, they knew they were done. They kind of have to do that, though, don't they, still dur- during brain surgery to make sure like they don't disconnect anything important? As it turns out, my mother had brain surgery, right. and she was indeed asleep. Um, oh, okay. But they, she had... Um, electrodes hooked up to um, the nerves in her brain to make sure that she still had activity when they were working on her brain. That's much more preferred. Um, Yes. I guess backstory, my mom had a benign brain tumor, Mm -hmm. a meningioma, um, in her cavernous sinus. It was about two centimeters when they developed it. That's a very slow-growing benign brain tumor. Half of it was fused to the center of her skull, so they were only able to remove half of it, which they did. And she did great and had radiation afterwards. So this is like the my mother miniseries because we talked about radiation. <laughs> now we're talking about um, brain stuff. But she was not awake during her surgery. There are some surgeries, where you, brain surgeries, where you are still awake. Yep. But it's... Um, not this one. Not this one. No. Um, so anyway, the hell of the transorbital lobotomy came about in the 1940s. So 10 centimeter ice pick-like instrument. Yep. And in some cases, ice pick was... Brought into the eye. I'm doing all the hand motions for Kayla. It's it's the corner of the eye, right close to the bridge of the nose. Yep. Yep. And then sweeped. Back and forth. Back and forth. About 50. uh, What was it? Was it back and forth or up and down? Up and down. Laterally. 15 degrees. Um, So in 1942, the procedure apparently had a 63% success rate. I'll get into Mm. that. I'm going to get into that. I have a theory. I have a hot take. And it was widely used until the 1950s when neurosurgery became more uh, precise and psychotropic drugs, which weren't the best, became more available. But they were better than hacking into people's brains. Thank you very much. So here's my hot take on the success rate. At that time, people were institutionalized Mm -hmm. when they had mental illness. Mm -hmm. And they were... Given these lobotomies when they had behavior that could not be controlled, correct? Yes. So would the measure of success be not um, how functional the person was, but how easier they were to yes, be handled? absolutely. Yep. So um, you could argue that Rose Mary Kennedy's um, lobotomy was a success because so she it was stopped f- running away. It was a form of behavior control, essentially. Yep. Um, very similar to electroconvulsive therapy or ECT, mm-hmm. yep. which is still used nowadays, it but is. it's really the last line of treatment, especially for um, treatment-resistant depression. And you can only do it twice a year, I think. 
They asked me um, if they wanted to see it in nursing school, and I said, no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, pe- the people who have it nowadays say mm-hmm. that it's very successful for them. Many Carrie of them Fisher do. Had it. God right. rest her soul. Mm-hmm. And her voicemail was was hysterical. I read this in an autobiography. I have to tell the story because I love Carrie Fisher. Uh-huh. And her voicemail was something along the lines of, I had electroshock therapy. So if we've spoken in the last time, we've spoken in the last two to three weeks, likelihood is that I don't remember. Don't. Right. Well, that's why that's yeah. one of the big reasons why it's not really done anymore. It can, it can cause memory loss. But um, the people who have it done think that the benefits kind of outweigh the um, side effects, I guess. Right. And if you're profoundly depressed, yes. which you and I have both struggled with depression and know sure. how terrible it could be, you get to the point where you're like, you know what? Sure. Right. Yep. I'll do it. So, yes. Yeah, so did the behavior go away? Yes. All the behavior went away, the good and the bad and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we measure um, success much more holistically and in patient-centered and not staff-centered and yes. not societally centered that we measure success in the form of quality of life right Um, nowadays nowadays so i think that 63 percent would be much lower Mm -hmm. so thankfully lobotomies aren't done anymore no they're not no they were gruesome at that time surgery was not as sophisticated as it is now and people died of complications related to the surgery and it was it was hideous rosemary kennedy lived another 60 years but she lived in the confines of an institution and she was not able to care for herself as she was before she was not um, combative or disruptive she was also not sweet and kind well she was sweet i'm sure yeah Mm -hmm. she had a lovely disposition but she was not able to show compassion for others as she would have as a teacher's assistant so Mm -hmm. so that was a rough point in american psychology and american medicine we've had many of them and the best we can do is learn from them Mm -hmm. so that's a story of lobotomies and rosemary kennedy so there was a a young not even a young man he was 12 named um howard dully Mm-hmm. who had a lobotomy, and he wrote a memoir and, and did a lot of talks about his experience after the lobotomy, really? if, you're, if you're interested in yeah looking more into it. He was not silent about what happened to him, no. which I'm glad for. Me because too. Because we need to hear personal experiences, and Rosemary wasn't able to give her personal experience. No, her family was able to advocate for her and advocate for... Um, People with disabilities as a whole, but... As I understand it, it was Eunice who did most of that because her brothers kind of tried to keep it on the DL that there was this... They, like, kind of did it the political way. They, Mm -hmm. like, said, oh, yeah, I'll sign that bill into law, you know, saying... I see, I see. Yeah, they did that. Eunice was like, okay, this was terrible. This is a human being that's related to me that needs my care. Yeah. Yep. And... I think looking back on it now, we look at it as, okay, you know, why did they do such a thing? But it was such the standard of the time to institutionalize people. And that's happened with so many other things. I mean, I've talked a couple times before about, like, repressed memory therapy. Like, therapists who were doing that at the time were very well-intentioned. Like, they thought that that it was backed by science and they were doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's only, unfortunately, later that we found out that it was really the wrong thing. Like, a really wrong thing. Right. The majority of the time when people do something that we don't necessarily agree with it and then in hindsight look back, the majority the majority of the time there are still people that do bad things for bad reasons with malice intent 
people that do things that we think are, you know, abhorrent now really thought they were doing the right thing. Yes, I agree. I guess we don't, we only, we only get wise as time goes by. Yeah. And who knows, you know, how the period that we're living in is going to be looked on in history. Right. You can never go wrong with being kind. Yeah. Or wearing black pants. Yeah. Yeah. People are just people, you know. Um, yeah. That's well said. I had a professor say that in college once, and it always rained really true to me because she mm-hmm. traveled everywhere. And she goes, you know, people are just people, right? Yeah. At the end and of it, the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody, we're not all that different. We're different, but For we all kind of want the part, same. Everybody want- wants to find their tribe and be accepted and be happy. Everybody's searching for what is good, kind, and beautiful in this mm-hmm. world. For real. So enjoy your kind and beautiful and good. And don't stomp on somebody else's kind, beautiful, and good. Unless that's hoarding all of the toilet paper you can find. Correct. Fuck that person. Correct. <laughs> also, explore why you feel the need to hoard all the toilet paper. I feel like, again, I feel like we're preaching to the choir. But yes, if that's you, please, please let me know because I don't understand it. Um, I, You know, there are lots of other things in your house that you can use to wipe your ass. Facial right. tissue, a plant leaf. Like your cat, if you're really desperate, spray yourself off with your shower. <laughs> I put d- your hand and wash your hands. I don't like- think it's going to get to be that apocalyptic, folks. But, you know, go off. Do I mean, do your thing. Do what you need to do to feel safe. But I don't know if all the toilet paper is going to make you feel safe. And it's not going to prevent you from getting sick either. Correct. Wash your hands. Put it. Oh, maybe. You know what? I just thought of this. I'm so smart. Yeah, you are. I should... No, I would never price gouge people. No. Buy a, one of those cones that they, one of those Elizabethan cones that they put on dogs after surgery. <laughs> oh, I've got <laughs> two of them because Hawkeye flunked the cone after he had emergency oh, bowel surgery. We ended up putting them in onesies and they were adorable. But anyway, yeah, he flunked the cone because he got stuck in everything, <laughs> refused to eat, refused to go in the litter box, refused to do anything with the cone on. Clover's never had a cone since I've owned her. Oh, God, it's horrible. It's awful. A cone. The cone of shame. The cone of shame. And it doesn't help that it's called the cone of shame. <laughs> but anyway, get it. So wash your hands. Be nice to each other. Find what is good, true, and beautiful in the world. Don't stomp on somebody else's good, true, and beautiful. And also, if your animal needs a cone and you are able to, put a t-shirt or a onesie on them. <laughs> and that is biopsychosocial. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BiopsychPod and find us on Facebook as well. If you like what you listen to, um, no pressure. But if you liked it, leave us a five-star review. It helps us to be seen on um, wherever you're listening to this. And yeah. Love you. Bye. We love you. You're beautiful. You're excellent. Be excellent to each other. Yeah. And goodbye. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.